Good morning, and welcome to our worship service at the United Methodist Church, Westlake Village, for this Sunday, May 22nd. We are so glad that you are joining us for worship, those of you here in person. Whether you are masked or not masked, you are welcome to be with us, and we want to just be as uh, respectful as we can of one another's sense of health safety, uh, getting close and sharing with the uh, things in the newspaper about maybe another spread happening. It's, it's more important that we uh, uh, be cautious with one another and respect each other's uh, sense of uh, health safety. So let's be mindful of that. And those of you online, we are so glad that you've chosen to be with us this morning. Thank you for, for tuning in and worshiping God with us. A few quick reminders. Uh, today, uh, people who are interested in joining the church are invited to meet with me in the conference room. Uh, soon after worship, I'll be greeting people for a little while, and then I'll, I'll join with you, so get your coffee and meet with me. We'll be meeting in the conference room. Today at 4 o'clock, we're having this very interesting program on uh, what it's like to be a refugee with um, Adis uh, reporting into us uh, what his experiences have been like in life and, and how that might help us to tune into what it's like to, to go through something like that, which many, many, many people have been unfortunately having to do over these recent weeks and months in the Ukraine and before that in the, the Middle East. It's important for us to, to open up our hearts and our minds to uh, recognize what that life experience is life and like and how we might be able to be people of goodwill to others who are in that circumstance. So today would be a, a good opportunity for you to uh, grow a little bit in, in that respect. If you register for the event before one, you will immediately get a uh, an email response to you that tells you what the Zoom link is to connect to it. So, so look for that. Our Caneo Connect continues on Wednesday nights here at 5.30. And remember, as part of that program now, our Pizzazz program will be at the, the last week in uh, July and the VBS program that first week in August. Pizzazz will be here, as it is always, and the VBS will be up at St. Matthew's. Rachel is again over in Thousand Oaks, helping to lead the worship there. Uh, Anna is off. Her father died this week, so Rachel is, is stepping forward in a particularly uh, important way this week at the Thousand Oaks Church. Today we continue, we're drawing near to the end of our special series of worship services based upon life experiences of some of our laity, specifically highlighting how their faith has been shaped and their, their spirituality formed. In the hearing of these traveling tales, we are hoping that we get glimpses of how God works in people's lives and how God might indeed be working in our lives and be open to the nudging of the Spirit to, to move forward in, in our journey of faith. So let us open ourselves up to that nudging of the Spirit as we worship God this day. Stand. 
stand as you are able and join with me in the call to worship, and then we'll remain standing to sing. Wonder of wonders, the God of the cosmos is the God of our lives. We worship God in spirit and truth, in humility and awe. Be at peace. Simply try to love one another, and you will be well. Help us, Lord God. Help us. Let's sing. pray. Holy God, through your mercy, we are given the opportunities to grow into our full selves, reflecting your spirit within us as you illumine our way forward in life. We are thankful for that. Be with us today. Help us in our journey to move forward, that we might indeed be blessed by your grace to blossom into more fully your image within and shining through us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Be seated, please.
morning, children. I hope you're doing well. I am sad that I'm not with you today, but I look forward to seeing you next week. Next week's gonna be a great worship service for us as the youth of our church are bringing worship to us, continuing on with the series that we're doing in church called Traveler's Tales. It is raining at my house right now. Uh, at least it's drizzling at my house right now. If you see me looking off to the side, it's because I'm looking out the window in my office and seeing the wet ground all around me and giving thanks to God for the rain. There's a song that I love called Praise You in the Storm, and it's sung by Casting Crowns. The song talks about giving thanks to God when everything is going right, but also giving thanks to God when everything seems to be going wrong. As I look out at the rain that we have, I remember that rain helps to water our ground, to nourish our plants, and to bring new life to us. So when things don't seem to be going right, when it feels like we have storms going on in our personal lives, I invite you to remember that in the midst of those storms, we're invited to praise God, to give thanks for the fact that God is with us, and to remember that God can use those storms to bring new life, to help flowers grow, to help our lives to be made richer, even as we are struggling at the moment. So this week, my challenge for you is as things get difficult, as things may be hard, you may find ways to praise God and to thank God for the fact that he is with you every step of your faith journey as you are a traveler with God. Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? Let's take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for all of our yesterdays and all of our tomorrows. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us when times are good and when times are rough. Help us to give praise to you and see how you are with us when things are going wrong. We love you, Lord. Amen. Those of you that are heading off to Sunday school, feel free to do so. Have a great day. Sometimes it's easy to go off to Sunday school, and sometimes it's not so much. <laughs> Let's unite our spirits and be in prayer. Holy God, we open up our hearts to you this morning, and thinking about the words that Pastor Rachel has said in her children's story, we recognize the challenge before us to be people of gratitude and thanks, 
regardless of the circumstances around us because of the power of your spirit within us, steadying us and staying with us through however our days unfold. Uh, that is the, the great challenge of life and faith, to stay touched, to stay in touch, to reach out and touch others throughout the whole of the course of life. It's high moments and it's challenging moments. And so we begin our time of prayer confessing that we find this hard and we ask your help. We pray that you would help us to notice the times in which we turn from you, the times in which we may not be the loving, spiritually driven person that you would have us be. Help us. Hear our thoughts and steady our spirits. We seek your help in our lives each and every day that we might be people of love and people of justice, people of grace, people of mercy. That we might be people that practice forgiveness and reconciliation. We seek to reflect the love of your son through our lives to those around us. Help us in this endeavor to embrace the fullness of life in your spirit. We think of those around us who are struggling with physical or mental health issues, troubled relationships, uncertain employment, other things that make them ill at ease or uncomfortable. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. For Kathy Drake and her husband Ken as they deal with the effects of cancer in their lives and upon their family, we pray for your grace and strength. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. For Warren Tabito and Pastor Rachel and her family as he is back in the hospital, as he continues to bleed from his colon surgery, we pray for uh, better insight and better treatment to bring him along. We pray for Davika, the mother of Januki Stanislaus, who also has had colon surgery. She, though, in Sri Lanka. 
And we pray that all would continue to go well for her and that you might support her family through this challenging time. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Bill and Sandy Nordoff as they manage their health concerns and learn more about the health challenges in front of Bill as Sandy continues to recover from her surgery. We pray for Diane Lawson as she faces multiple health concerns. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Carissa Birmingham's father who is hospitalized in Boise with sepsis. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And we pray for Pastor Anna of the Thousand Oaks Church, her family, her dear friends, as they all grieve the death of her father this last week. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And again, as we do each week, we offer up our prayers for those who are suffering from COVID, suffering as patients, or being challenged as caregivers to loved ones. For our healthcare community who step into the breach and provide care, we give you thanks. Steady them in their efforts. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And for those who are suffering from the Ukraine war, for those who are experiencing loss and trauma for the episodes of mass violence in our country, for those who are feeling displaced and threatened and injured and killed. We pray for your family, Lord God. We clearly do not understand what it is you ask of us of how to be brothers and sisters to one another. Forgive us and help us to find our way through this madness. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. All this we pray in your son's holy name, joining in the prayer he taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
So this May we've been having this sermon series to encourage us all to think theologically about our lives. It's, it's interesting how even in the religious community we, we need to be encouraged to do this. We don't always think about how God is impacting our lives or how we are walking with God and how in that walk that spirit is nudging or pushing or understanding or, or healing. It's good that we spend some time to think about how God is moving within us. So we are listening to stories from fellow travelers. Travelers' tales, we are calling them. People who are have been willing on my invitation to, to come and share with you their sense of how God has been moving in their lives. Different folk with, with a different sensibility about themselves to give us a sense of the broadness of, of our diversity and actually the broadness of God's love for us. In the first part of my life, I thought it was a shame that everybody wasn't like me. I thought that was their loss. In the second part of my life, I realized that that was their blessing. We are not the same, yet we are one. And that is due to God's love. Maybe God's sense of humor and God's love. So we've listened to the tales from Julie Algener, UCLA professor in public health, mother of two strapling athletes in the growing. Then we listened to Nancy Moravec, a little, a person with a different accumulation of years among, around her. But again, looking at the impact of a life upon other souls around her and God's impact upon her. Then we listen to David, one of our, our newer members in the choir and new among us, celebrating in humor and uh, perhaps in some private tears the, the journey that he has made in his life and our thankfulness of him being among us. And today, today we chat with Timothy Bond. Now, most of you know Tim and his wife, Nancy, and their children. They've been with us for decades as a part of this congregation. Uh, Nancy and Tim raise uh, their three girls in our congregation, among our families. If you... Um, enjoy our choir's music. You will notice on occasion they have a percussionist with them. Um, I've been jealous of him, how he gets the nod and I don't to, to stand in and be able to play the drums, but I know that he's got the talent and I don't. He does a marvelous job of, of undergirding the choir and different pieces and percussion. So you might know him from the person that does that. For a good number of years, he uh, was working in Washington, D.C., and so commuted Sunday afternoons to the East Coast 
and then came back to his family and us on the West Coast on Friday. Can you imagine that? I thought it was bad commuting, uh, having Debbie commute up and down to La Jolla for eight years. He went across the whole continent for uh, more than a decade. Well, now he is retired from that stressful pattern of life, and we delight that he is more present to his family, to his community, and to us. Uh, except today. He's not able to be with us <laughs> today. Why is that? Well, he had the confidence, the boldness, and the great fun to go up with Nancy and Christine to Berkeley this week to be at uh, their daughter's Ph.D. graduation, and she got COVID, and then they seem, well, they were exposed to COVID. They're testing negative, yet Christine is getting a little more ill as the time passes, and the likelihood of them uh, getting COVID is high because of being so close to the daughter who did get COVID. So we had a uh, dilemma on our hands Friday night as this started to unfold and yesterday. So in caution for everyone else's health, we share Tim today in conversation with me through video. We got together yesterday on Zoom to have our conversation and if all goes well technically, which we are praying it does, um, you will hear that conversation as if it were before you. Just imagine the two faces that come up on the screen being here, and, and we'll all be okay. The scripture passage that Tim chose for today to frame his traveler's tale is from Matthew 20, the first 16 verses. Let me share with you uh, this scripture that is most important. To Tim. For the kingdom of God is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into the vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also, Go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received the usual 
daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Tech team, do your magic and bring uh, Tim and I to life here. Well, good morning, Tim. It is so nice to see you. Um, I've, I've just announced to the congregation that we're doing this uh, by Zoom video um, because you were exposed uh, to COVID from your daughter. But so quickly, before we get into the questions, uh, how are you feeling? How's everybody doing health-wise? I'm feeling fine. My daughter did come down with COVID. Um, and so out of an abundance of caution, we wanted to keep separate from people. It would seem wrong to expose people to an illness because of my travels when we're supposed to be talking about our faith journey. There you go. Let's see if we can have our, our traveling tales be one of health rather than of, of illness, right? Exactly. All right. Well, so to start off, to start off, Tim, Tell us, well, remind us all, some of us know you pretty well and some of us might not. Remind us all a little bit about yourself, a kind of a general overview of your story. I was born and raised in Michigan, uh, first in a suburb of Detroit where my family worked in the auto industry. When I was in second grade, we moved to a rural community and kept a small farm. Think Green Acres, complete with old tractor, uh, but with a better telephone system. We didn't have to climb up on the pole. Well, you are dating yourself with that Green Acres reference. I am. Um, after high school, I attended the University of Michigan, where I studied aerospace engineering, and most importantly, where Nancy and I met. All right. We cooked together on Sunday nights for about 90 people, and I'm grateful for every meal we have cooked together since. Now, wait a second. Slow down here just a second. You're saying that part of your, uh, your dating with each other was cooking? For 90 people. Did I understand that correctly? It is. And it's not totally accidental. Um, I decided early on that since we needed to form a cooking team, Nancy was someone I'd like to get to know better. And so we, we lobbied hard to make her part of that. We're in a housing unit where to reduce costs, everybody had to do some kind of chore. And so cooking seemed like a doable thing, but it was for 90 people. And in an industrial kitchen, it's a whole different experience. That, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time getting my mind around that. That's a very fascinating thing for a student to get involved in. It, it almost sounds like a, a ministry from the beginning of, of caring, caring for people. Was this a dorm room or apartment complex or it was were a, you in a commune, Tim? It was, it was, a, it was like a dormitory, um, but a, a cheaper dormitory. Um, and we're, everybody there was looking to save a little bit of money. 
Yeah. And so um, in order to have cheaper costs, the students performed all the duties, cooking, cleaning, administering. And so um, cooking was something that um, when we were young and naive seemed like a doable thing. Um, <laughs> and I have to say it worked out fairly well. Well, good. Well, is, is religion uh, a, a part of these early years for you um, from growing up into college? Well, it was. Um, Nancy and I both um, went to church um, regularly. Um, I was raised in the Catholic faith. Nancy was raised in the United Church of Canada, which combines Methodists, Presbyterians, and Congregationalists. Um, when we married, we became members of a United Methodist Church in St. Louis. But we also attended Catholic services fairly regularly. Spiritual growth and service were important to both of us. Uh, when we moved to California, we decided right away that we wanted this congregation to be our faith community. We saw here an extraordinary opportunity to grow spiritually and to help others. From our first day, this church brought us into Bible study and Sunday school, fellowship activities and youth group for our kids. And this congregation has an amazing service commitment within our community. Right away, we were invited to help with Habitat for Humanity, the Free Meal and Shelter Program, Christian Education, and our music ministry. More recently, also, we have all the opportunities that come with the Mission Committee. And so this really serves both parts of the, of the faith experience that we think is important to us. Could you, could you tell us a little bit more about how um, maybe these experiences in, at the Westlake Church that, you, that you've had were... Um, a little different than your upbringing in the Roman Catholic Church or Nancy's upbringing in that uh, United Church in Canada? Were they similar or were they different? There are similarities and there are differences. So to some degree, the answer to your question, Pastor Walt, depends on exactly what congregation we're part of. Mm -hmm. um, each of us have been part of very large congregations where we were fairly anonymous in the service opportunities um, also were on sort of an individual basis with groups of people that may or may not know us well. But we've also been fortunate enough to be part of congregations that were very intimate, uh, where we became well known uh, and, and we knew other people fairly closely. And so I think that has more to do with the congregations we're part of and less to do with um, whether it was a Catholic church or a Methodist church. Mm -hmm. Well, did you did you discover as you as you thought about your your traveler tale? Did you discover that you had an experience in particular that was formative of your faith, or or maybe what would you share as your as your most formative experience in your faith? I think the most of, if, if, um, formative experience I've had is right now at this very moment. In his book, Falling Upward, Richard Rohr describes the first phase of life is going to school, raising a family, building a career. He says that in the first phase of life, a person makes a container of their lives um, that, that they then carry forward. In the second phase, one decides what to put into this container. That is where we're going to focus our time, our mind, our spirit, once other obligations have been met. During my professional career, I was a vice president at RAND and a director of a research and development center for the U.S. Army. For nine years, I left town every Sunday after church and didn't return home until sometime on Friday. In between, I might give testimony to Congress, run seminar games for the National Security Council, meet with leaders in the Pentagon or Europe or Korea about the challenges and threats that they faced. But after traveling almost 4 million miles in that job, Nancy and I agreed that it was time for us to begin the second phase of our lives. Mm -hmm. Now we're trying to fill our lives with the activities that are important in our community. 
and that will also help Christine develop the capabilities and communities she will need after we are gone. Hmm. So you're saying this experience is, is most formative? You mean like thinking about um, how God has been moving in your life intentionally now is, is actually making a big impression upon your sense of God and your sense of future? Thinking and doing. Um, the great theologian Yogi Berra once said, in theory, theory and practice are the same, but in practice, they're different. And so I think both thinking about God and Jesus in our lives, but actually trying to be faithful in serving are both important. Thinking about it and doing things are both important to us at this phase in our lives. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, Jesus. How, how does Jesus fit into the mix of this religion and God stuff for you? Adam Hamilton describes Jesus as telling us what God wants us to do to help each other and telling us why those actions are important. I need that because sometimes I miss the main point in life situations. For example, I love the parable of the vineyard owner, but I always have to laugh at myself every time I hear it. My first thought is always, why is the vineyard owner hiring people at five o'clock in the afternoon? That's just enough time for human resources to put them in the payroll system and set up their vineyard computer accounts. <laughs> I'd be the guy with a spreadsheet and a PowerPoint presentation listing all kinds of ideas for improvements. And I imagine myself rushing over to Jesus and telling him, we can double our productivity. All we need to do is add some technology and better processes. And kind of the people you hired at five o'clock today, we already have the workforce we need. Oh, and I heard there was an attack on the owners of a vineyard a couple of parables over from here. So here are some ways we can enhance security. And I imagine Jesus smiling and telling me, thanks for that, Tim. But making the vineyard great is not my mission. The workers are my mission. And I need to bring in as many workers as I can at whatever time of day they hear my call. What I want you to do is to make them feel welcome. Work alongside them. Give them whatever they need to become part of our community. That's the role I see Jesus playing in my life. All right, so kind of welcoming you personally into the work of the vineyard and encouraging you to um, be welcoming to others who are in the vineyard or are coming into the vineyard to be doing some work. Yes, and tell me what parts are important because I'll always try to figure out what I think is important, but they may not be the same things Jesus thinks are important. So I have to be open to hearing what I should be doing in the context of helping people, not in the context of whatever my own interest or, or inclination is. That's, that's fascinating, Tim, because it, it, sounds like you're, it sounds like you're saying that you're, that you're trying to really open yourself up to discern God's will or to listen to God's word through Jesus for you. Um, which, which almost, almost seems to say that maybe, maybe at, at some point you, you might've felt that you weren't hearing as well. And, and, at, and you, you benefit from trying to intentionally listen better and, and then respond more um, directly or maybe you'd use the word faithfully um, to what you hear. 
I, I think that's exactly right. Too often, I will come up with my own ideas of what the priorities should be. One needs to do that for one's own life, and there's many choices we have to make. But too often, I wind up in a direction of my own, which might be very different than the direction that Jesus would intend for me. So what helps you, what, what helps you, uh, I'm curious now that you've mentioned that, to, to ask you, what, what helps you to listen better? How, how, do you, how do you listen better? So I'll give you one small example, and it comes from your Traveler's Tale discussion with Nancy Moravik two weeks ago. She mentioned uh, the question, what would Jesus do? And one answer she found in her travels, he would love first. That really struck me because too often I would judge first or become angry first or ridicule first, but Jesus would love first. And that's what I need to do if I want to be a disciple. Yeah, and, and so, boy, that's a, that's a very... That's a very strong answer from from my point of view. It's it's uh, learning how to love some other person so that other person isn't the other in your life, but is is part of the human family. Someone who um, is deserving of of care and compassion, and and you are able to find the way to extend that care and compassion. Um, and that, everybody's, that. everybody's deserving and everybody needs it. Yeah. And in, in a sermon you gave, um, many weeks ago, maybe, maybe a couple years ago, you mentioned, um, th- it was, it was the sermon of the good Samaritan. And when you look at the person he helped someone that maybe would have hated the Samaritan, uh, maybe would have been antithetical to the Samar- Samaritan's demographics, uh, what the Samaritan did in, in his daily life. And yet the Samaritan saw that person as deserving of his help, of his love. Uh, somehow in, the, in that parable, that Samaritan knew what was requested of him, what was required of him to be faithful. Yeah, it, it, sounds, it sounds like you're, you're talking a little bit in my ears and in my mind of, of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Um, now, is, is, is that, is that, is that a, a phrasing that feels comfortable on your tongue? Do you think of yourself as a disciple of Christ or, or what, what does it mean to you when people say that kind of stuff? I aspire to be a disciple, but in, in all candor, I have to tell you, I have a long way to go before I feel I would be worthy of that name. Um, it's, it's something I have to think about every day. If I'm not mindful, if I'm not intentional about it, I fail. Um, if, if I try to keep that foremost in my mind, I do much better. But it's a, it's a daily challenge for me. And so just in, in the spirit of candor and humility, this is a constant, um, this is something I have to constantly think about and I have to intentionally keep in my mind or I go off the path. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Tim, as, 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 I, as I try to listen as well as I am able to things that you're saying, it's, it's striking me that, that you're seeing faith and discipleship uh, in terms of, what should I say, behavior, in terms of action, more than in terms of a belief, of, of 
right doctrine. Am, am, I, am I sensing what you're communicating right or, or would you say that differently? I, th I think you have it. And in our, in, our, um, in our study of the Bible and our study of the letters from Paul that you've graciously led these last several years, um, three definitions of faith have come up. One is belief. And that's the definition that most people in the church think about first. There's also the definition of faith as trust, as trust that if, if one tries to do the right things and struggles through the right things, strives through the right things, um, that Jesus and God will take care of us in our faith and will, will lead us in the right ways. The third definition of faith maybe is more faithfulness, and that is continuing to try to act in ways that, that bespeak of the right kinds of um, desire to be, to be a disciple of Jesus. And so when I talk about faith, in some ways, I, I mean all three things. But the one I try to focus on most is faithfulness, doing the right things every day, because that's where we can directly help others. And by helping others, really help us ourselves to be on that right path. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about the, uh, a dilemma that I saw raised in the, in the newspapers today with the, with the Speaker of the House, who is a Roman Catholic, who's getting some heat now from the, uh, is it called the Archbishop of, of her diocese, of her area up there in Northern California, because of, of how she's uh, speaking about the issue of abortion. And, and uh, it, it seemed to kind of lift up to me as I was having my coffee this morning, uh, yesterday morning reading it about how, um, well, there, there's kind of uh, an issue that is a, not the issue of abortion, but the issue of, of right doctrine or following church doctrine versus some kind of banner of love your neighbor following the the dictate of of christ's compassion and love for for those around now people may see it differently but it, it just caught my attention that that there was this conflict between a person feeling that she was acting out her faith the way she thought was best but some religious superior waving a finger at her because it didn't fit into um the doctrinal setting of of the church um it's, it sounds like you would err on the side of compassion you'd err on the side of loving your neighbor typically first i would simply err i would <laughs> my, my my natural inclination may not be the best one or the right one <laughs> but i'm trying very hard um to to take a lesson from the gospels um again back to the question that nancy touched on uh, two weeks ago, what would Jesus do? He would love first. So many times in the gospel, Jesus may run into someone that Jesus didn't think what, perhaps was acting the right way or living their lives in the right way, but he always showed compassion. He didn't judge them first. He showed them compassion. And what I feel driven to do is the same. Um, it's not my job to judge people. Obviously, I have to make my own choices about what I think are right and wrong. I will have opinions about what I think I should be doing, but I'm working hard that when I, when I engage with another person and they need help, I'm trying hard to remember what they need, um, what, what um, they should be doing, um, what is ultimately right or wrong. Um, 
it's not my job to judge them. It's my job to be helpful to them. That yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. And I struggle, Pastor Walt. I don't want to make it sound like it's, it's anything more than a, a daily challenge for me to try to do the right thing in those situations. Well, I, I think if we, if we all are honest, we would, we would say it, it's a challenge for all of us to live up to that, uh, to that aspiration. Um, so is, is the church helpful for you in, in this process of trying to become a disciple or do we make it harder for you? Um, I think the church is crucial. I think it's, it's, um, it's a critical part of, of my journey. I mean, in many ways, this church, this congregation is our vineyard. Uh, the people of this church have always inspired me to grow. Uh, and the people of this church, through their own good works, give Nancy, Christine, and me a community to work alongside. So I view this church as that, as that vineyard that I'm, I'm just eager and delighted to work in. Hmm. Well, I, I think from what I hear, Tim, uh, lots of folk in the church are just so glad that you're a part of the family. You and your family are a part of, of the church's family, too. Glad to have you in partnership in the church. So to, to maybe kind of wrap up our conversation, what um, if you don't feel this is pushing you too much, what, what would you say would be a, a word of advice that you might want to, to pass on to, to somebody who's, um, who's listening today? A, a word of advice about faith and spiritual maturity and all that kind of stuff. Pastor Walt, you honor me with your question, but I'm not qualified to give advice. Um, to steal a line from James Bond, I might leave people shaken, not stirred. <laughs> the only thing I can really do is tell you where I am in my own journey. So the first half of my life, folks and ideas, especially when I was in school or at work, now I'm really trying to focus on people, where they are, what's happening in their lives, and maybe where they could use some help, and, and I could give that help to them. It's always something small like providing a meal, delivering furniture, or helping with math homework. But small is okay. Mother Teresa once said, we can do no great things. We can only do small things with great love. Mm -hmm. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us that by doing these small things for each other, we do them for him. That's where I'm trying to be on my faith journey. Well, that's great, Tim. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you very much. And uh, on behalf of myself and and our congregation, and, and the guy looking over my shoulder here right now, I, I wanna thank you for, for being so candid and authentic in, in what you had to say and for, for sharing your story, your traveler's tale with us today. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Pastor Walt. Thanks for trusting me to do this well. Yeah, well, God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless you. Bye. Well, that was fun. That worked out all right, huh? Remember when we were talking about maybe putting these screens up in the church and how that was like, oh, close, close to the end of the world, but maybe not quite there, but it was getting there. It, it, it has paid off, hasn't it? And, and thank all of you who, who shared of your resources to, to make that uh, refurbishment and uh, 
provision for the church happened because it really has been a, a blessing to us now as history has moved on, time has passed. Uh, you'll see on the screen or you'll hear from me ways in which you can help to contribute to the life of, of the church through your resources. Um, we encourage you to be generous uh, to help support our ministries, your, your financial support as well as your, your energy, your presence, your, your prayer life is needed to help to undergird us to do the good that we, that we try to do. So please be generous and help support our ministries among us and beyond our doors. Let us pray. We ask your blessings, most holy God, upon uh, these gifts, upon those who make these gifts of resources, of intention, of resolve, over presence, over prayer. Help us to be good colleagues with one another in the vineyard to be people of your grace and your love, welcoming in and sending out, that grace may abound, that your love may prevail. May the good that we do be pleasing in your sight and bear fruit for your kingdom. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, enjoy singing our, our closing hymn.
Thank you, choir, for helping us to sing that. That's new to many of us, but boy, isn't that a, a spot-on hymn to, to what uh, Tim was talking about today? And how Gloria knew that, we don't know. So another witness to the power of the Spirit moving through this church and through uh, our staff. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you, choir, for... There you go. You can't take credit. We're honest about saying that. We... All right. So I pray that this uh, story that you've heard today from Tim has been encouraging to you. Um, we may not be fully as yet what God hopes us to be. Yet if we intentionally partner with the Spirit and walk intentionally the way of Christ will be moving in the right direction. Amen? Yeah, we can do this. We can mature in our spirits into our better selves. You're going to want to take a moment on your way out to give your uh, blessings and affection to Paul and Elaine Fay as they celebrate their anniversary. Uh, the flowers are a gift from them uh, in honor of that Momentous day in the kingdom of love. Be safe, stay healthy, and know that even you, even you are deeply loved. Amen. Amen.